Welcome to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. Today we talk about one of the most hyped topics these days in the crypto space, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, or DAOs. There are numerous different DAOs projects out there, DeFi protocol DAOs, investment DAOs, collector DAOs, and many more. And DAO total value locked has almost doubled to 15 billion in Q4 2021. Although DAOs are hyped these days, they are not entirely new to the crypto space. I personally recall very well the DAO project on the Ethereum chain in 2016, kind of Genesis DAO. Not so much because of the challenges associated with this Genesis DAO project, but mainly because 2016 was a time when I personally fell into the crypto rabbit hole. A lot has happened since then in the DAO space, and especially lately, a couple of very promising projects launched. One is, in our opinion, the Spool DAO, and we have invited Philip Zimmerer, a core contributor to this project, to our show today to talk about DAOs in general and investment DAOs in particular. We want to touch upon a couple of uh, topics, for example, what are the benefits of DAOs for investors and members, how are DAOs organized, what challenges are they facing, and how will the DAO-verse develop in the future. My name is Karl Michael, and I'm hosting this show, as always, together with my untitled investment expertise colleague, Simon Schaber. Hi, Simon. Greetings from Berlin to Vienna. How are you today? Pleasure to be here. I'm doing great. Thanks a lot. Now over to our dear guest, Philip. It is great to have you as a hands-on, deep DAO expert and core contributor to the Spool DAO on the show with us. Greetings to Lagos in Portugal from Berlin. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Really glad to be here today. And also, congratulations to your liquidity bootstrapping pool or Spool token launch event last month. And the 21 million US dollars you received, I think, in a not so easy market environment. First of all, it wasn't 21 million. It was 16.65 million. 21 oh, million was the volume in the LBP. But okay. thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, still a, it's a, still a massive success. Definitely exceeded all expectations of everyone in the DAO. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations. And we'll talk a little bit more about the DAO during the conversation here. But before we dive into our DAO discussion, the usual disclaimer to our listeners, our talk here reflects personal opinions of the three of us. So Philip, Simon and me, this is by no means uh, investment or any other kind of advice. For your personal investments, please do your own research. Now let's go in with our warm-up question. So, Philip, what brought you to the blockchain space? What, what was your moment of truth? Well, it was, first of all, a lot of curiosity that brought me into the space in the first place. But then after, in, in true crypto fashion, I invested first and researched later. And quickly after investing, I came across a young fellow called Vitalik Buterin. And I started listening to his talks and, well... I quickly fell in love with what he had to say and how he, what his vision was for the Ethereum project. And that's that. Our topic today is one which was also initially brought to life on the Ethereum chain, which is DAOs. For our listeners and our audience here, what is a DAO for you? How would you define a DAO? 
I mean, the definition is kind of very wide, which is already like kind of apparent from the name because it stands for decentralized autonomous organizations. And you're essentially asking, what's an organization? It can be a lot of things, but uh, I would define it as a way for people to collaborate. And the DAO aspect ma makes it uh, possible to collaborate in a very, very seamless and flexible and liquid manner across the globe in a very safe and transparent and immutable environment, which is a blockchain, right? So it's very wide, right? And a DAO really defines itself through the purpose for which it was founded, right? There's a very simple community DAOs. There's a, could just be a group of people that decided to tokenize their community and just use the DAO format as a way of tracking sentiment within their small community all the way through a community or a DAO that is managing a whole product and a whole company structure that is sort of integrated with the DAO structure and everything in between as well. So I think there's more DAOs, more kinds of DAOs out there than I could even list, but a few of them would be DeFi DAOs, DAOs that essentially manage a, a protocol, a permissionless protocol, which would be what Spool falls under. But there is also full-on community DAOs, artist DAOs, investment DAOs that do uh, joint investments in other DAOs. There's even DAOs of DAOs at this point. So yeah, <laughs> it, it's a very, very broad space, even though it's so young still. Yeah, would you consider to have a let's say, joint treasury bank account as a characterizing feature for DAOs or only for investment DAOs? I know that's a popular new definition floating around on Twitter that you're kind of alluding to. Yeah, I would agree with it, but with the caveat that there's DAOs out there that don't really have like a dollar-denominated bank account. They simply have their own token that they've released and, and given out to their communities, like the small forms of community DAOs. And those don't necessarily have like a dollar denominated account. They have a, an account with tokens that they jointly kind of control. And sure, if you want to uh, call that a joint treasury or a joint bank account, then that would be part of it as well. And you mentioned that the scope is very, very wide for what constitutes a DAO. As we want to zoom in a little bit on what makes an investment DAO, again, we've seen Plenty of very prominent examples pop up over the past couple of weeks and months, like the Constitution, where lots and lots of people came together in order to buy an original copy of the Constitution. Then again, there was a DAO just to buy a golf course. And there's stuff like the Wonderland DAO, like just very recently, where people come together just to invest together. And then again, in the original, like the DAO, the one DAO back then, one of the key things we wanted to do was also to invest together. Like I always tell the story of how I remember the founder of Ledger Wallet coming to the DAO pitching Ledger and no one coming to a conclusion on whether to make an investment or not. It was, it was a terrible process. But it seems like many of the issues we've had back then have been solved by now. So what do you think are really the advantages of investing in a DAO together and maybe through a DAO together over investing via more traditional investment vehicles? Well, I think what it truly comes down to is agency because investment DAOs through the token that denominate the investment DAO give agency to their token holders that you simply don't have in traditional vehicles, right? So if you just invested invest into a traditional fund, you would kind of be at the mercy of the managers of the fund 
both in terms of receiving information about what's happening to your capital, as well as having little to no input towards where your investment actually goes on a step-by-step basis. So if you want to be more hands-on on in terms of where your investment goes and what your what happens to your money, as well as stay up-to-date on what's happening within the investment vehicle, then an investment DAO would be a superior choice there, right? But nobody, like not everyone wants that. So it, it can go both ways, right? A lot of people just want to be hands-off on their money and just want it to be managed. Some investment DAOs offer that as well, because in some, I think uh, participation and adding value is kind of mandatory. Others allow more passive seats as well. But for me personally, I like the fact that I can I, I can see where my funds go. They're sitting in a DAO treasury and then I can see them move around. I, I just co- can constantly keep tabs on everything. Also make my voice heard through governance forums, Discord or whatever uh, means of communication that DAO uses. Uh, definitely. I think if you compare to the traditional like GPLP VC structure, where LPs very, very rarely like really get updated in a timely manner and are involved in decision making or the, the exact reasoning, this is for those investors that want to know what's happening. I think a huge upgrade where you can be very directly involved. Now, Again, let's let's go back a bit. Um, if we're talking about Spool, the project where you're a core contributor in, what do you think is really the advantage of the Spool DAO here in governance? And then just tell us a little bit more about the project. Like, what are your ambitions? Which problems are you solving? And maybe also what it even means to be a core contributor in such a governance DAO. All right, sure. There's a quite a bit to unpack here. So a core thing to think about when deciding to become part of a DAO is what am I actually governing? And this is already where a lot of DAOs kind of split ways that I think uh, is very interesting to consider for a lot of investors. Some DAOs, my personal opinion, you're basically just governing essentially a suggestions box where you can throw in complaints that get sent right to a shredder. Other DAOs have actual governance, but are effectively oligopolies where there's a very small group that just make the decisions and all the other voting is essentially for show. And then again, others are true DAOs, right? That essentially have been set up with being a DAO in mind and that actually value varied, varied kind of governance contributions. And within Spool, one of the ambitions was to create a DAO that manages something meaningful So what Spool is, is a permissionless revenue generating protocol that is entirely owned and managed by the DAO with no entity or anything in between. And this is how Spool was set up as well. It was set up as a DAO first. So if you check out Spool, you will see that there is no individual team or individual person that started Spool or that launched Spool on the chain. We've used a process that has been, well, figured out with some of the leading DAO experts in the space, I would say. Like, for example, Kane from Synthetics had some very, very helpful input. Same as uh, Tyler Ward from Barnbridge. Shout out to these guys. Uh, They're both in our DAO. They helped us go DAO first. And We've set it up in a way where there's from the get-go a DAO, even in the form of the pre-DAO that we have had with Spool, that is managing the kind of inception of Spool from a very, very central point. 
And from there on out, we're now decentralizing the governance in a way where spool holders can contribute to this permissionless protocol that they also own. And as a core contributor, my role is to well also participate in governance with the voting power that I have, but also to sort of manage and execute the expectations and the decisions of the token holders and therefore the DAO. Yeah, I think that's one of the big differences between most of the DAOs that we are seeing from VC-backed projects, where you have a clear founding team, you have a well, clear uh, source of money, which is mostly VC funds, and then you kind of set up a Discord server, and then you set up a forum where you basically, as you say, the team proposes stuff, like two people say something, and in the end, it doesn't really matter what people say, it just gets executed anyways. And it's these like alibi DAOs. And I think there's a huge difference from alibi DAOs to proper decentralized autonomous organizations. And like the others aren't neither decentralized nor autonomous in my mind. Yeah, I, I would agree. And a common argument that people would make about this is that decentralization is a process, which is also the case for Spool, right? Like you can't just airdrop tokens into tens of thousands of people's wallets and say, go uh, operate a, a viable governance, right? So it's definitely a process, but you can do it in good faith or in bad faith, I think. Philip, maybe you give our listeners a little bit more insights what the Spool is doing. I mean, you are creating DeFi yield, right? Can you elaborate a little bit how this goes? I think that uh, becomes then more tangible for our listeners. I don't think we're actually creating DeFi yield itself. We're simply creating a, what we call, or what I like to call a composability layer for DeFi, which means that, let's say, if you compare the traditional finance world to the decentralized finance world, uh, I think the big core difference that a lot of people don't even see yet is that traditional finance has a lot more infrastructure that makes the what I would call the primitives sort of in traditional finance that actually generate the yield accessible, right? So this financial services industry is completely lacking in DeFi because people are expected to go directly to the primitives that actually use their money and create the yield for them and tap into them, which is often a very complex process, not only in terms of execution, but also in hidden risks and implications that a lot of retail users just cannot understand fully because it would be a full-time job to just keep up with everything. So Crypto Mantra is often, oh, yeah, destroy the banks, remove all the sort of institutions of traditional finance. But I think that's a very short-sighted approach. If you want to remove these things, you need to replace them with something better. And that's sort of where Spool comes in, right? We create this composability layer that can help create financial services for DeFi in the way of selecting yield strategies made up of, of primitives a risk model and your own personal risk tolerance to create a very, very complex DeFi-based investment product that does not create the yield itself, but leverages instead the existing sources of yield to build, let's say, a risk-adjusted package of yield-generating products that always automatically optimizes for risk-adjusted yield at the protocol level. So maybe in, in my own simplified words, you're a kind of middleware which make the UI user experience or access to a couple of DeFi protocols easier. 
And it's not only about yields, but in Spool, you can also use risk management tools so that you have a good risk reward balance in DeFi. And so you make things easier, which normally only institutional investors or highly technical affine people would be able to use. A DAO is a lot about organization. I think that's how you uh, defined or explained DAOs uh, in the beginning to us. How are you organizing the Spool DAO? I mean, is, are, this, are there no hierarchies? Is it all you do based on voting or only certain decisions need a, a vote from the DAO members? Can you elaborate a little bit more on the, let's say, behind the scenes in, in Spool? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And yeah, good good summary of Spool. I think it was on point. So I think when we talk about organization of the Spool DAO, we have to start at the beginning. This is where we set up a pre-DAO because obviously the token has not existed for the majority of development of Spool. It's only come into existence in, in December 2021. And before that, there was a pre-DAO that was holding special pre-DAO tokens that was running the governance. And we've organized sort of in a already decentralized group of people that contributed from the beginning. Two of them I've mentioned earlier. And from there, we kind of worked to create a foundation for Spool. So now the question might be, why, why was it only a small group? Why was it not open? And that is where we already get to the kind of trade-offs, right? Because decisions have to be made for progress to be made. And there is always a time for discussions and there is a time for execution, right? So like you asked, obviously, there have to be hierarchies at some point and there have to be sort of more autonomous decisions at some point as well, because you cannot have a DAO vote for every single small thing. So what we need to find is a middle ground, right? And the way Spool is sort of intended to be set up is that the holders can decide on the level of autonomy and the level of, well, freedom for decisions. The, let's say, builders, this is what we call them, within the DAO have. And the way we are kind of proposing and going about this, and this is not, not public yet, but will be public rather soon, is we want to sort of split up the operations part of the DAO into multiple departments where we're currently looking for leadership for all of these departments. We've posted DAO job ads, so to speak, I think last week. And we're currently taking in, in applications that the DAO can then vote on. And then once these the leadership for these departments, which are business development, marketing and community and uh, technology are appointed. We are going to work with them to build out these departments and make some more key hires for the DAO. We're all going to be paid from the treasury. And those are sort of going to be full-time employees of the DAO. And their job will be to execute the will of the, the token holders. And this is the point at which we we collectively as the token holders, as the DAO have to decide, how are we going to operate this? And my proposal, which is only my opinion, would be to give a budget to all of these departments that I've previously mentioned and let them work, work on it and then review their performance periodically, have votes on future funding, future budgeting, reviews, as well as general oversight over how things are going. And if this sounds a little bit more like board of directors that is basically appointing C-level executives, well, it kind of is, right? And 
I think this is a, a cool analogy as well is that DAOs definitely can also be sort of very decentralized companies that manage a permissionless uh, pro protocol and where the voting power of of token holders can be used to steer a high level direction of the project without hindering day-to-day -day operations with having too many votes and so on. I think that makes a lot of sense. Draw the line here between operational and more strategic or financial things where voting power plays a role on the one hand side and on the other hand side where you have more autonomous like circles, stripes or squads and however you, you organize this. We call more... them work groups. <laughs> yeah, you call them work groups. I mean, okay. Circles, bubbles. I think there are a lot of new terminology are flowing around for things which are honestly not, not super new. I mean, uh, Spotify has pioneered most of these things 10 years ago. I have one more question and that is the role of communities and I think that is where DAOs differentiate also a lot from, let's say, traditional uh, companies or even classical startups everybody says like communities are key for DAOs at least at the popular narrative normally these communities are formed via discord channels or telegram groups or, or, or whatsoever but this sounds nice but looking behind the scenes when it really comes to voting and governance rights also the ones you mentioned who is in the end actually exercising them really Are people really interested in um, anything else than the financial incent incentives associated with these tokens? Sometimes we have the opinion, if you look into some Discord channels, okay, if it comes to a token launch, uh, every, uh, one like hundreds or thousands of people are super excited. If it comes to one question in which direction a, a DAO should move, I think, It's almost silent. You have five, six, seven people who raise their voice here. How do you see this? Do you think in the end it's more about financial incentive than anything else? Long story short, yes. So what you're hey, saying cool. might sound like a big problem. <laughs> it, might, it might sound like a big problem. But the thing is, who's actually the victim of that problem, right? And in the end, what you're also describing is kind of voters' apathy, And the, the simple truth is that most people are in crypto for financial incentives. There's very few people for whom it is a, let's say, fundamental belief that we need to decentralize the world that would still be in if there was no market for, for tokens, right? So this with that also comes a, a bunch of, of voters' apathy, right? So take, for example... Uh, Let's say SpoolDAO is do, doing really well. Obviously, that would attract uh, a ton of people who would just want to hold exposure to the token for the sole reason of just selling the token off later at a higher price point, right? Pure speculation. And these people, they will likely not vote. So what you can do now is force people to vote, right? Like tie yield to the votes, Or something like that, right? What that would kind of create is voters who are kind of unattached to what they're voting for. Like you, you cannot incentivize one option over another in voting. So people will just vote anything or whatever they need to 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 still get their yield, right? So there is no clear solution to to voters' apathy aside from making people care. And this is where communities come in. One thing that we've do, we've been doing a lot in, in Spooldow leading up to, to the launch and also still is emphasizing the voice chat on our Discord. So there's always team members every single day hanging out in the voice chat accessible to anyone to talk uh, because we kind of said 
you you can follow a thousand Twitters, you can hold a thousand coins, but you can only be in one voice chat at one at the same time. And this is where community members that care are built. And in the end, you don't need thousands of people that care. But if you have like a hundred people that really care, I think this is a diverse enough group to make sure that discussion happens. Now, our last step is to make the discussion matter and create a good sort of way for governance forums to actually impact the voting that happens in the end. And I think a good compromise would be to allow some sort of delegation of votes or tie votes to something tangible related to the usage of the product. And I'm, I'm saying this because obviously I have something in mind there that will be revealed rather soon in terms of a proposal for the spool tokenomics as well as emission schedule that I think should add some practicality to what, what I'm saying here. That sounds very interesting. It sounds uh, very exciting also. And well, I do believe that we are completely in a new environment, building organizations that at, in, in some way operate a tiny bit like, like nations do with like Everyone should get a vote. Everyone should get a voice. But then again, also being very personal, as you mentioned, with the voice chat component, where it's it, you can literally only be in one place at one time with your real live, non-pre-recorded voice. So as we are really still, as an industry, learning by doing when it comes to DAOs, there have been a few tools and um, providers coming up with with tools and with products that uh, supposedly make it a lot easier to create DAOs, like Aragon, Colony, uh, Moloch DAO, Open Source Project, Nasari Governor. They all provide DAO operating systems. Now, of course, claims are you save a lot of time and a lot of money, and it's, um, well, established best practices, whatever that means in such a young market and area. Uh, maybe from your own experience, how much like actual work besides all of the trial and error is setting up a DAO that, that kind of works and what do you think about these tools well i would say it's very very hard and very easy at the same time uh, it's hard i have to admit it's hard because i could not have done it like alone obviously you need multiple people for a DAO, but also like coming up with the way to set it up I could not have done it on, a, on my own. Luckily, we have some people that are very, very strong in the in the pre-DAO in, in these terms that managed to handle all of this. But at the same time, it's also rather easy because there is no, let's say, no strict guidelines on what actually constitutes a DAO. And there is also no massive expectations. But it gets harder when, depending on how deep you want to get into the DAO narrative and how hard you're let's say your community wants to commit to it. So if you if you want to, for example, have votes that instantly execute transactions in the treasury and not like put like a multi-sig in between that, that then is expected to, is, is managed by, by humans and expected to execute the votes, then it gets a little bit harder, right? And these tools, I think, can really help set these things up. But in practice... For what we're doing with Spool right now, I think they would add more friction and they would add benefits at the current stage. However, we're ob obviously already thinking about the, the long-term future in which hopefully, I mean, early on you need sort of a prominent core contributor team that 
so acts as like as like a driving force to also build out the community and build out the the DAO further. But in the long run, these sort of figureheads should start fade to fade into the background in favor of more diversified leadership within the DAO. When, when like individuals that really care and really contribute crystallize themselves and and become more readily apparent, and at that point, it becomes kind of a question of who should be on the multi sig. Should the people that originally drove it forward, maybe they got like burnt out. Should they still be in charge of certain things, or should they still represent the DAO on 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 let's say like a quote unquote presidential kind of level to the public and, and at that point, I think these tools become more valuable. So this is sort of a prediction for the future. These tools will become more important. But right now, I think as everyone still figures everything out, yet, I think they're kind of still relegated to sort of a secondary role. I think it's very good that you also mentioned one of my personal pet peeves with the entire DAO concept as it is being run at the moment, which is, of course, um, well, it's actually multiple things. One thing being the multi-sig wallet. I think it's already pretty optimistic. And I think in many cases, many DeFi projects, it's literally just a normal wallet with the private key being with one of the founders. And in the best case, again, lying in their safe. Otherwise, it's just taped to their screen or something. And on the other hand side, just setting up a Discord, I think standards are incredibly low. You literally just put a couple of channels that every other Discord also has. Uh, then you add a snapshot and you say, boom, there's the DAO. Dear regulators, please don't talk to me. I'm not responsible. This is a DAO now. But there's many, many things to overcome, of course, and many things to innovate and to really come up with new solutions for new problems. So how are you looking at 2022? Do you think it's kind of the year where DAOs grow up a lot, where DAOs mature? Or do you think it takes longer? Do you think we see some major a uh, major pushback from regulators, for example. What's kind of your outlook for this year? I think 2022 is going to be a year of figuring things out in general. There is still going to be a lot of trial and error. And I think it's also going to be a year of oversaturation because as you said, standards are very low. And I think people will, as kind of the different DAOs develop, people will start to notice when things start going south that they don't really have any agency to change things. And this is where sort of the real DAOs will sort of rise to prominence because people actually have agency there. People feel like they're in charge. And I think this is what people most look for, especially if markets are not up only, but a bit more volatile. In 2017, back in the day, we've seen a lot of pro like communities kind of implode as they accused founders and teams of scamming them in 2018 when the markets kind of turned right and the ICO bubble exploded but to no avail right because they didn't really have any agency and I think this will be the case for a lot of DAOs that are out there right now as well where people realize that oh things are going south now this time it's going to be different right it's not going to be like 2018 this time we're in a DAO we can actually make changes we can show that we're unhappy about the leadership and then they will notice that they can do exactly nothing and I think this is what is going to like, really help real DAOs because there people can actually have agency. They can be hands-on. They don't just, if we kind of talk, segue to investor psychology a little bit, they see their token value melt away and they can actually be hands-on and help, right? And I think this alone will be enough for a lot of DAOs to actually become kind of beacons in the dark 
should we experience like an extended downwards pressure in the or drawdown in the market? I think this is where real DAOs will kind of shine. Shine, and w- what will drive adoption is for DAOs is well, that really depends again on the question: what is the DAO actually managing? In the case of Spool, I'm very very optimistic because Spool is focused on stablecoin DeFi, which is sort of built for the for any market, right? Because uh, even in a bear market, I think a lot of people will flee to sort of stablecoin yields, even though stablecoin yields themselves might drop because of the market conditions. At least you're still earning some yield on a on a stable asset, and you're kind of reduced your exposure to all the uh, risk on assets. And there, what will drive the the demand for the DAO is well. What do I actually get from governing the protocol? In terms of Spool, the the DAO owns the entire protocol. So Spool is also a revenue generating protocol. So 100% of the revenue generated by Spool goes to the DAO. And then, well, if the DAO community looks at who is actually like managing all this stuff, what's our business development department doing? Is the tech being built out in a way to meet new demand, to meet changes in the market? Is our like marketing and community department attracting new people to the community? Is everyone happy? How is the general sentiment? Is is the general usage of Spool, is the, the total value routed through Spool going up? If the questions, if the answer to all of these questions is yes and, and generally positive answers, then there is nothing to worry about for the DAO, right? Because the token is set up in a way that you're not just managing a suggestions box, but you're also owning a protocol that generates revenue and therefore you own the revenue that this protocol is generating. And expanding this or extrapolating this to all DAOs, what I would say is look for DAOs that do exactly that. Look for DAOs where you actually govern something meaningful, not just a suggestions box or a quote-unquote community that is just owned actually by a small uh, oligopoly that, or an entity that is like kind of slotted in between the revenue generation and the DAO and that siphons out all the revenue generated and leaves the DAO with a pretty forum and a Discord uh, server. Yeah, I mean, only when the tide goes out can you see who's been swimming naked. But as lawyers like to say also, contracts are only for dark times, basically. And you don't need leadership while everything is going up in the markets, right? You need it when things come crashing down and then push comes to shove. With this outlook on the future market development and recommendations by Philip, we suggest to take a break and digest what we've discussed so far. Philip gave us a good understanding of what DAOs actually are, what kind of different DAOs are out there and how DAOs are organized, in particular how Spool works. In the next episode, which will be released in a couple of days, we dive deeper into DAO regulation, which is indeed a mining field. We want to know more from Philip what Spool learned from historical DAO failures and successes, and he will talk about the future of investment DAOs. Dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show today and you stay tuned and loyal to the Untitled Investment Talk the podcast about all things digital assets. All signal, no noise.